0: Everyone, we continue our read through the New Testament, and today we get to the final moment prior to Christ's betrayal, His arrest, and ultimately leading into His crucifixion. Here in John chapter 17, with Jesus' high priestly prayer, one of the most important moments in any of the gospel accounts as we see this beautiful prayer offered by Christ to His Father and for His people. Thanks be to God. What an amazing passage. I mean, these words and these prayer this prayer of Jesus is so profound, so powerful, so encouraging, so hope-giving in the midst of His darkest hour. In this prayer, Jesus offers five petitions for His followers. The ground on which each petition is offered or the reason that the petition is put forward. Its purpose and the manner in which it is tied to the love theme of this chapter. So let's look at these petitions first. Jesus prays that his followers will keep his fo- his father that will keep his followers safe. He says, "I will remain in the world no longer." He says, "But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of the name. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one." They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So here we see the reasons why Jesus offers this prayer. One, he himself is going away, and so his physical existence, we, he will no longer be there to protect them. And two, they, like him, do not belong to the world. Unlike him, of course, however, they once did belong to the world. Yet Christ had chosen us out of the world, and now, in principle, we belong to the world no more than he does. And so we no longer Need, we, so, we no longer need protection from the world. The long-term purpose of this protection is that we may be one as Him and His Father are one. And such unity has at its aim, Jesus goes on to say, the display of the incredible truth that the Father loves them just as much as He loves His Son, and that the love of the triune God may be in us also. So, Jesus' first petition is that his Father will keep us safe. Secondly, Jesus prays that his Father will make us one in him, right? So we're continuing on here. He says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. So the first reason Jesus advanced for this petition is also the standard he establishes, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me. The second reason Jesus advances is that he had himself has already given them the glory that his Father had given him. The purpose of this petition, Jesus says, is to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me, or more simply, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. So in the context of the Gospel of John, this not only invites the world to believe the gospel, making this a prayer with evangelistic purpose, but even more fundamentally, it wants to see the vindication of Jesus. The world despises and hates Jesus so much that it will be satisfied with nothing less than a cross. But if Jesus' prayer is answered, the world itself will learn that God sent him that God truly loved Jesus' followers, even as He loved His own precious Son. And all this is the purpose of the prayer, that the disciples may be one. And once again, we cannot fail to observe that this unity for which the Savior prays is inextricably inextricably entangled with the display of the incredible truth that the Father loves Jesus' followers just as much as He loves His Son Himself. Thirdly, Jesus prays that God will sanctify His followers, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So the means of this sanctification is truth, namely God's word. In the context of the whole Bible, one cannot but remember the many passages in which God's word is appointed means of making His people holy. In the context of John's Gospel, the word primarily in view is the message of this book, the gospel itself, that is made clear by the way Jesus ends his petition: "For them, I sanctify myself." that they may too be truly sanctified. So Jesus does not sanctify himself in the sense of making himself more holy. Rather, what he means is that he sets himself to do his Father's will, and his Father's will alone. And that means he readily goes to the cross, however repulsive and horrifying the prospect is. He does this for the sake of his disciples. None of us poor sinners can ever be sanctified, set apart for God, apart from what the Lord Jesus has done by sanctifying himself. By sanctifying himself, he perfectly obeyed his Father and therefore went to the cross to bear our own sins in his own body on the tree. That is the good news. That's the gospel. The truth of the gospel is what truly sanctifies us. Moreover, such a marvelous conversion among Jesus' initial disciples, taking them out of the world and making them no longer of the world, is only the initial step to the world mind ministry that sees others converted. Jesus went on to say, I pray that all those who will believe in me through their message, thus part of the purpose of the sanctification of Jesus' followers, is their evangelical faithfulness, which results in yet more conversions. Fourth, Jesus prays that his followers will experience the full measure of his own joy. He says, I'm coming to you now, Jesus says to his father, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. In part, in, this, in part, what Jesus is saying is something akin to what he said three chapters earlier. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. You see, events were unraveling very fast before the eyes of the confused and largely blind disciples. And they had no category for a crucified Messiah. But by Jesus saying these things now, by praying these things now, the disciples would soon learn... "...even if his words were opaque to them at the moment of utterance, that their master really did know what he was doing, that his path to the cross was his Father's will, and for their good, and all the joy that would be theirs would spring from what was still to them horribly confusing and disappointed." So here was the true ground of their joy. Jesus' own joy in doing his Father's will would be the very basis on which they would come to delight in salvation— in intimate knowledge of God and to share in the heartfelt pleasure of obeying the Father, which is the very essence of Jesus' own joy in His Father. This too is tied to the inner love of the triune God. As Jesus said, Father, I want those that You have given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory, the glory You have given Me because You loved Me before the creation of the world. And this is the joy that Jesus now prays for in His disciples. And finally... Jesus prays that His followers will be with Him forever. Verse 24, Father, I want those You have given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory, the glory You've given Me because You loved Me before the creation of the world. The ground of His petition is the eternal love of His Father. Because the Father has loved the Son before the creation of the world, He wants all those whom He has given to the Son to witness the Son's glory. And that means that they must be where He is. Thus, the ultimate purpose of the petition of Christ, this high priestly prayer, is the glory of the Son, the final vindication of the Son, which is achieved because those the Father has given Him will see Him as He is in all His glory for all eternity. The Son had brought the Father glory on earth, and the Father is resolved that all of Jesus' followers will witness the Son's glory forever, It's no wonder then that Jesus prayed a little earlier in this chapter, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And this glory is itself the product of the love within the triune God from eternity past. Transparently then, even this slimmest of sketches of Jesus' petitions recorded in John 17 Discloses the tight interconnections and how each petition is in some way or another tied to Jesus' understanding of love, not least the love between the Father and the Son. Here we see these glorious realities of one true thing, something we saw back in John chapter 11. That Jesus shows his love for us the most in by revealing. His glory to, his, to us. Remember Jesus with Lazarus? He said that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so He waited when He heard that Lazarus was ill. Why? Because He said this did not lead to death, but that the Son of Man might be glorified. Here, Jesus is showing the epitome of God's love for us by keeping and preserving us in order to behold his glory forever. Oh, what manner of love is this? God bless.